0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 252nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, And it is our 845th episode overall of The Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of May 26th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of The Assembly Call how we begin every edition of The Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment.
1: And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot.
0: This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when Trace Jackson Davis addressed the media in the aftermath of his announcement that he will be returning for his senior season in Bloomington. What became clear from Trace's comments to the media and on the Hoosier Hysteric's podcast is that he is approaching this season this season with a newfound commitment to outspoken leadership that we haven't really seen from an IU player since at least 2016 when Yogi Ferrell completed his own circuitous evolution from highly touted freshman to unquestioned senior leader with a couple of up and down but educational seasons in between. Granted, offseason talk is cheap, and all that ultimately will matter is how Trace performs on the court and to what extent his teammates actually follow his lead. But I'm not sure IU fans or IU's coaches could have hoped for anything more than what they heard from a resolute, mature, and thoughtful Trace across roughly two hours of comments this week. We'll be discussing some of his more notable comments in this week's episode, but there's one I want to highlight right off the bat. Quoting Trace, I was either going to the draft or staying at IU, so I wouldn't consider the NIL to be a big reason why I stayed, even though I know there's probably going to be money there and opportunity there, which I'm blessed to be in that situation. Obviously, I'm going to use it to my advantage, but I'm here to play basketball and I'll finish my degree, unquote. Personally, my biggest fear when I heard about Trace's unfortunate COVID issues is that he might be returning to IU with a sense of resigned disappointment, like, well, I got screwed by bad timing, couldn't show my skills to the NBA, but at least I can go back to college and make some money while I bide my time until next season. Or that with all the stories of guys making X amount of dollars via NIL, that his eye might wander a little bit. But based on Trace's comments, and to be fair, every action he's ever taken in an IU uniform, that fear proved unfounded. The biggest takeaway from his comments are that he is coming back with two feet firmly planted in Bloomington for all the right reasons. And he's thinking about not just how he can make the most of the season for himself but how he can help his teammates and coaches make the most of their season together. It's been a long time since we've heard a player talk like Trace did this week, and it's a clear indication that this is shaping up to be the first truly player-led team we've had in a long time. If you're looking for reasons to buy into the emerging preseason hype about this group of Hoosiers, history suggests that Trace's full embrace of his role as leader should be right up at the top of the list. All right, now let me introduce my co-host for this week. Andy is off. Ryan is unfortunately battling COVID. He said there's a chance he might pop on, so I sent him the link, uh, we'll see. But here with me is the founder of Delphi Bracketology and a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana.
2: He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar
1: Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar Hustle
0: is
3: a crime.
0: He's the coach and it's time. Coach. It is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind?
3: Wow, what an interesting week uh for Indiana basketball with the comments from Trace and from Coach Uh Woodson that we're gonna get into uh later today. Uh you couple that with uh the scheduling news uh that we're gonna also talk about the the next year's schedule against Arizona and Kansas, and then you add the the tournament with UConn and Texas and Louisville and the talk uh, that coach Woodson had of getting a Louisville series and working the Kentucky series, everything uh, is headed, it seems in the right direction with, with Indiana basketball. And, you know, a lot of the comments that were said um, are, are very good comments. You mentioned a player led, Uh, in a banner moment, a player led team is, is a better team. You can get a lot more accomplished as a head coach when players are taking care of business inside the locker room. Uh, And it sounds like trace is coming back and has that attitude. Um, I also like the fact that uh, you have a coaching staff that's willing to listen to their players and constructive criticism back and forth. If, if I'm a coach and going to criticize you, you have a chance to come in and maybe not criticize, but give suggestions that that open door it uh, just shows me that uh, Coach Woodson is a is a players coach, but he's still the head coach uh, with some of his moves in the offseason with the coaching staff, promoting from within. Coach Woodson is in charge of this thing, and it's headed in the right direction. And it just brings me back to, you know, I, I'm hesitant to say we're back or any of that, and I'll talk about that when we talk about expectations. But it's just Indiana basketball is successful basketball, and, and we're a lot closer to that than we've been in a long time with uh, the guy at uh, the lead of the program really wanting to win for Indiana and our best player uh, having a disappointing, you know, trip to the NBA combine, but coming back with the right mentality. Uh, and as you said, talk is talk and it has to play out, but we couldn't ask for uh, anything better in a week like this or in an off season uh, about Indiana basketball uh, heading into next year.
0: Absolutely. Okay, well, here's what we have in store this week. For the rest of segment one, we'll go through a few Hoosier headlines. There was an update to the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings for the class of 2023. Several interesting notes from that update. Plus, we got some new scheduling news, so we'll talk about that in our main segment. We're going to break down the comments from Trace and Woody, the most interesting ones, uh, and maybe you know some unique takes uh, on some of these that haven't really been put out there. Uh, and then in segment three, as we do, we're going to answer a bunch of the questions that you all submitted. We got some really good ones, and so we will answer all of those. That is coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, before we get to that, it is time to talk about the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network.
2: Home field apparel. Well for the team.
0: That's right. Our friends at Home Field Apparel, This edition of the Assembly Call, just like all episodes on the Back Home Network, presented by Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. They've got beloved logos from IU's past, and that is what they do. Uh, They go and they look through the archives for pretty much every school. They find all the coolest logos and they bring them back. And what I love is when they launch the school, they spend like the entire week celebrating that school's history. Like, there's a real respect that Homefield has for the fan bases and for the schools that they're doing this. And I kind of feel like they're developing this really unique community of college sports fans that love to celebrate the traditions of other schools, which is great because at the end of the day, that's what college sports is all about. And so, not only are their designs great, I just think their ethos and their mission are great. Uh, And they really take care of their customers too, as any of you who are in the 1% uh, now know with some of the cool new endeavors uh, that they have. So look, you've probably been to homefieldapparel.com before. You should go again. If you've never ordered, you can use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME, 15% off Indiana gear and gear for any other school that they have there. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. Coach, you probably should stop buying things. I'm worried about you guys keeping the house and
3: <laughs> hey, he's he's got a spot where you can go see all your past orders and holy cow, it was I had to scroll down I've ordered so many so many times like a from home separate
0: trailer. database and storage just
3: for coach's orders. <laughs> yeah, um my goodness um, um, that's hilarious. but yeah, good stuff uh okay, so let's let's kick it off real
0: quick with the scheduled note um so obviously we've talked a lot about the 2022 schedule we got an interesting note about the 2023 schedule coach which is that indiana is going to headline the 2023 empire classic uh which that's in new york is that in brooklyn is that do they play that in brooklyn
3: i'm not sure i I think yeah it's up there
0: but it's going to be yukon indiana texas louisville we don't know what the matchups are going to be but just another event where Indiana's there with, you know, some other prominent names uh, that have, you know, obviously some historic names with UConn and Louisville, um, but teams that have been pretty successful uh, in the recent past too. So another just good opportunity for this hopefully revamped Indiana basketball program. We'll see as we go throughout 2022. But if they're on the uh, the track that we think, they'll be ready for these games. And, hey, the more of these, the better, as far as I'm concerned, in the non-conference.
3: Yeah, you know uh... – I I liked the crossroads classic because uh, Indiana had played, you know, Notre Dame and Butler before in the regular season before they had the crossroads, but getting out of that has really opened up my eyes. And I think a lot of people's eyes that that may have liked the crossroads to man, it's going to be fun watching these games against some of these big guys and getting into a classic, like uh, what we have now in 2023, it's not next year. Make sure everyone, when I saw it come out, I thought maybe it was an addition, uh, but this won't be until 2023. Uh, but those are the kinds of things that, again, Indiana basketball is successful basketball. It's been a long time since we've been consistently successful and, and people question whether that's really what Indiana basketball is. But that's what it is. And, and we are really getting back. And that kind, of, kind of scheduling just is an example of that. And, and I'm excited about what we have next season. And then adding this kind of classic is, is exciting as well.
0: And if you want to talk more schedule, we're not going to get into it now, but Coach, you and Coach Marlowe talked about it a lot last week. So you can go back in the archives, check out last week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, and you can get more of that schedule talk. The other interesting note, Coach, is the recruiting rankings were updated for 24-7 sports. And look, recruiting rankings are what they are you know, for any individual player, they can prove to be woefully inadequate. Um, But, you know, over time, you get more of the higher ranked guys, you're probably going to do better. Uh, And it's the offseason, so we can talk about this. Um, But I thought there were three pretty interesting notes that came out of it. One is that Xavier Booker from Cathedral, who obviously, you know, has been a name discussed here in Indiana circles, people kind of wondering how in is Indiana is, are they still in this recruitment? How hard are they pushing? Well, Xavier Booker moved up 87 spots to number four nationally. This is a guy who went from being scoreless in high school games to number four nationally in the span of a few months, which is among the more meteoric rises I have ever seen. And it's clear why he's tall. He, you know, can run. He's athletic. He can shoot. You know, he's got some some skills handling the ball. Um, I think for a long time, everyone's been able to see the talent, and it kind of feels like you know this. This spring AAU season, uh, grassroots you know season, he's really been able to kind of put it all together and show off what he's able to do. Uh, so he moved up to number four. We will see how much Indiana you know is in this recruitment. I don't think anybody really has a great idea of that right now. Um, but the other real interesting note I thought is that a number of prospects that Indiana got in on that were unranked or were ranked really low. And it's kind of one of those. It's like, okay, Indiana offered a scholarship to this guy, and you go, look. He's unranked, (laughs) you know, and you're kind of like, okay, what's going on here? A lot of those guys shot up the rankings. So Arrington Page is one. He went from unranked to number 59. By all accounts, it sounds like Indiana's in a good position with him. TJ Power moved up 65 spots to number 56. Cohen Carr moved up 66 spots, I think, into like the 60s. And so these are all guys that the staff identified and has, you know, worked hard to build a relationship with that really went up you know, the charts. And so, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, You know, so much has been talked about with Xavier Booker and, you know, maybe he had a couple of bad games in front of coach Woodson and, you know, why hasn't Indiana pushed harder? You know, we may end up looking back on that one and wondering if they missed the evaluation there um, or if they just didn't handle the recruitment right or whatever. Um, But then you look at some of these other guys and it does seem like the staff has a knack for finding some of these guys that are about to blow up and getting in early. Um, and really by knowing what they're looking for, which, you know, when you look at guys like Page and like Carr are good athletes that kind of have the frame and the measurables that you want. And they're kind of coming into, you know, learning how to also play the game. Um, you know, and so and I think that's why as those those guys skill level and production caught up with their athletic ability, their rankings rose. Um, so, again, so Indiana is in a good position. I think whenever you have a guy who's number four in the state, uh, you know, he's the number four overall player and he's in your state, you want to get him. That remains to be seen, but Indiana does seem to be in a pretty good position for some of these four-star types in the, like, 40 to 80 range, like Page and like Power and like Carr— that are the kind of guys who can come in and be three or four-year building blocks for your program to go along with Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups, who we'll talk about in a second. So I'm just curious your reaction to some of those rankings jumps from the guys that Indiana's involved with.
3: Yeah, I, I find it fascinating too. Um, I also wonder if it is a result of Indiana recruiting those guys or other big schools recruiting those guys. I, I, I don't know that kind of uh, job of how you go and recruit, um, but I think if someone's off the radar and all of a sudden Indiana – or a or bigger schools there, you're going to go watch them as an, as a, as a ratings personnel. And then you watch them play. So that could be, be yeah. some of that, but I think it speaks volumes that Indiana gets in before that they, they bounce. Uh, they missed that maybe missed the bounce with Booker, but they've hit the bounce with some of these others. And then you also wonder uh, with some of the guys that have already committed that still have some time to be ranked the Newton and the cups dropping a few spots. If again, that's okay. They've already made that decision they're You know, there's some gaming that goes on with with the recruiting rankings too, and and you're absolutely right. You want to get more uh, higher recruits than lower recruits, but there's you know there's some there's some gaps. Uh, you know, your thirtieth and your forty eighth. It looks like there's a big difference there, but really they're not. And what I think this uh, coaching staff does a good job is they're trying to find a fit uh, in their their first full recruiting uh, this year. They got a bunch of athletes who can shoot score and drive. That's what the way coach Woodson wants to play. I think they're really good in identifying what kind of player they want irregardless of the rankings. Uh, and I think that's what you see here with, with those, uh, young men who weren't highly ranked now popping. Uh, I think that speaks volumes for again, uh, where we're headed with this kind of, uh, staff right now.
0: Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on those guys. Uh, as one of our chat mob, uh, members mentions here, Jamie Kaiser, another guy who went from unranked to 78. He has an IU offer. Uh, You know, and you're kind of seeing a couple themes emerge here for the open scholarships in this class. One is Indiana wants to get a big guy with some athleticism, you know, Page, Booker, uh, you know, those guys would obviously fit there. And then they want shooting, you know, Stojakovic's kid, Kaiser, Dunlap, some of these other guys that they're looking after. They want wings who can shoot for obvious reasons, because we need to upgrade the shooting. The two guys in Indiana has committed, Jakai Newton and Gabe Cups, who I think all Indiana fans are rightfully excited about because of the players uh, and people that they uh, you know seem to be. Uh, Jakai moved up 30 spots to number 80, uh, and it kind of feels like that could have been even more if he hadn't been hampered by nagging injuries. Uh, Gabe Cups dropped 17 spots to 107. I know there were, you know, a few events where he maybe struggled to score quite as much, you know, as he has uh Trust me, that does not dampen my enthusiasm for that kid one bit. Uh, he's exactly <laughs> the type of winner that you want to have on your team. Um, and so you know again, when you're I don't think there's a big difference between 90 and 107. Now there's right. a massive difference between 87 and 4, right So yeah, yeah. like that's that's a huge difference because basically what they're saying is okay Xavier Booker is a potentially program changing recruit. you know now just because someone moves up there doesn't mean that they're guaranteed, you know, to fulfill all the promise that they have. And I think that's one of the big questions about Xavier is, you know, is he going to do that? But he's a young kid. I mean, he's still, you know, coming into his own and learning, you know, how to put all his talents and skills to good use. So, you know, these are young guys. Um, It's just one snapshot uh, in their evolution as players. But for those of us in the off season, you know, kind of tracking this and interesting in recruiting, it's at least interesting to see and to track um, and certainly to see,
3: you know, where these IU targets uh, move up or down.
0: Any other uh, thoughts on Indiana recruiting coach before we move on?
3: No, I think the book Booker kid really impressed me. The one time I saw him alive at the state finals, Uh, just smooth uh, and and a lot of ability to get better. So you can understand how the young man jumps that much and would be a tremendous get for uh, coach Woodson. But when you jump from 87 to four, everyone in the country is going to be going and then it it, it just opens up. Where does this young man want to go? And, and that's just going to complicate uh, things for, for Indiana uh, to get him. The Newton kids, some of the highlights he had from the start of the summer, um, you can envision him coming in and playing some of that, that point guard. Uh, we, we liked the way X played down the stretch. You, you see the potential for Jakai to be that eventually um, with his ability to uh, play pick and roll. So it, the recruiting is a piece of comfort with me in this program right now. It's it's one that I, I, I'm on record saying I don't spend a lot of time studying, researching and watching. So I just trust Coach Woodson to know here's the type of player I want and, and I'm going to go get him. And then once they sign and commit, then I'm all in and, and rooting for him and, and going to watch him maybe play if they play in the area. <clears throat> but I think Coach Woodson um, has a really good handle uh, on recruiting.
0: My only other note on recruiting, I think it was Zach Osterman who tweeted this out, um, the salaries for Indiana's assistant coaches. uh, And I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Kenya Hunter got a raise of 25 to 50K up to 375. I believe Coach Yaw also got a bump up to the same salary as Kenya, or maybe a little bit below, but it was at least very similar. And then Brian Walsh, you know, I think he's making 225, something like that. Um, At what point should... Coach, should we start the Kenya Collective, and just uh start start raising some money to uh make sure that Kenya Hunter goes nowhere unless it's for a head coaching job? Um, Absolutely, there are assistant salaries that are a lot higher than that, and even Kenya if he Hunter wants to be a head this coach, program is massive. Keep him, I, keep him. Yes, pay him. I agree. Blank pay check. That, pay that man his money. Bags of cash, as they show say. Show me the money. Yes, and look, Coach Ozzie, show a great him the job, money too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, they, they both have done a really good job. And I think Brian Walsh will too. So this, uh, this staff is showing its recruiting chops early on, uh, which is uh, very encouraging and very needed for Mike Woodson, who's still kind of learning, you know, how all that goes and is clearly functioning well in the role of closer. Um, you know, so whatever they've got going on, uh, they're
3: doing We've well been- now, hopefully they can improve it. We've been asking for a closer for years, but we were mostly on, on the basketball court. Little did we know we have a closer and a head coach in some of these recruiting battles. That's right. That is right. Okay.
0: Uh, that'll do it for segment one. Coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we are going to dive into this week's comments by Trace Jackson Davis and his coach, Mike Woodson. Lots of interesting stuff said. We'll break it all down in segment two. Stick with us. we
2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is...
1: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: All right. Hello, hello, everybody. It What's is up, great, chat mob? Great to see you all here. Wonderful to see you. I get A.J. Moye vibes from Ja'Kai Newton. Like, not the, not the exact same type of player, but, like, right. energy. Like, I just feel like he's going to be kind of a fan favorite type. Tough. I like that guy. I like hey, that we, guy.
3: we've got we to be on our best behavior. Libby's in the chat. Libby's in the chat? Oh, man. Okay. Libby's in the chat. we got to be on our best behavior. Well, and Valerie's she in the chat, ask. man. Valerie. And you, Jen, Jen, Jen was in Bloomington, and I didn't even get a phone call for dinner. <laughs> Jen. Come on now. I mean, seriously, I'd have driven down. I'd have even bought dinner for Jen. Yeah. What's up with that? Come on, Jen.
0: Man, this is probably the best chat mob we've ever had. I think the last eight comments are from women. We need to it's an (laughs) all-star. This is it's the smartest sequence of chats that we've ever
3: had. We got the golf
0: pro in here in Kent. (laughs) That's right.
3: That is right. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) That's great.
0: Uh, all right, can the Mavericks extend this series? I see they're down four points to the Warriors right now. Probably not. Probably not. But hopefully they at least make it a game. These playoffs, these conference finals have been, whew, blowout city. Yeah, not that compelling. Okay, let's dive into this because there's a lot to break down yep. here. Um, here we go.
3: What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian.
0: Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. And Coach, we were treated to a lot of comments uh, from... I would say the two guys that you would call the most important figures in Indiana basketball right now, which is the coach Mike Woodson and the star player Trace Jackson Davis, who we talked about, you know, on our recent uh, emergency episode uh, about Trace, you know, how much of a rarity and how much of a treat it's going to be seeing a guy who has produced as much as he has individually across three years. I know the team success hasn't been there, but, you know, produced as much as he has was that highly touted as recruit coming back for four years. Um, you know, it's something that we don't see very often. Uh, and frankly, it's the most rewarding part of being a fan is seeing what these guys can be, you know, with three years in the program, getting to their fourth year, there's a certain level of maturity that often kicks in. And when you can get that from your star player, um, it's especially interesting. Um, so he had some comments again, he went on the Hoosier hysterics podcast. He was, uh, uh available for the media. Um, and then Mike Woodson talked down at Huber's winery, uh, for that annual event So, I am curious, you know, and a lot of ink has been, um, you know, been spent already talking about some of these. So, we don't need to rehash all the comments because I think people have a a pretty good understanding of what was said. But I'm curious what stood out the most to you. Like, what were the comments that when you were listening to it, when you were reading from either one of them, where you're like, whoo, okay, that's good, bad, you know, for whatever reason, what was the thing that really stood out the most to you?
3: Well, I, th- there was so much. That's a hard question to to really answer because there's not one thing I disagreed with that TJD said or Coach Woodson. It was it was all stuff that you like to hear, and as media members, we're glad to hear all that. Um, I think to answer that question though, uh, I, I like the, the 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 conversation back and forth between TJD and Woodson about uh what suggestions to do offensively um, th- that stood out the most to me because to me I, it is an obvious uh, glaring weakness the offensive side of the basketball game and for coach Woodson to listen to his best player coming back and have that conversation and and Tjd to be comfortable giving suggestions about more sets there was a comment about more sets and uh, and then coach come back and said well you got to shoot the the 12 to 18 footer four or five times a game uh, I believe that's to be t- that's true the fours and fives have to be outside threats in today's college basketball game and then tjd saying that you know hey can we mix up practice a little more we had the first team versus the second team we got to get used to playing with people to um to coach woodson saying if i play people i expect them to make shots so you know the combination of all of that it it just it it speaks of the underlying purpose of this summer is to get better offensively And yet you have Coach Woodson saying, I'm not giving up uh, my defensive principles. We're always going to work on that. That, That's winning basketball. Uh, That's no guarantee. I'm not talking Final Four, Big Ten championship here. Um, And and everyone has a game plan in the summer. Even the worst teams in college basketball have a game plan in the summer. But those are the things that stood out to me is that a a, a team that works together, talks together, tries to solve problems together, instead of just one person having it their way. Uh, is a program that has the potential to grow the most and IU has to grow. I know we have high expectations and that was some good talk in our community about, about the fairness of the expectations. Uh, I think Indiana's in a great place, but they have that growth that needs to be, but it seems to me the comments that stood out the most were about that offense uh, that, that meant the most.
0: Yeah. You know, speaking of the offense, it's interesting kind of the back and forth between those two about shooting. You know, because Trace at times makes it seem like, well, you know, coach really wanted me to be down in the post, kind of focusing there. And Woodson's basically saying, hey, you know, you've got the green light to shoot at any time you want it. And it's interesting kind of trying to triangulate, Okay, what's the actual, you know, just just Trace feel fully comfortable shooting because he doesn't like in the games. He doesn't look like a guy. And, And I think he mentioned this, you know, that there were times, you know, he'll get the ball, you know, out at the elbow or with some space and didn't even look at the basket. And a guy who's comfortable shooting
3: is naturally going to look at the basket and see if there's a shot there, you know and coach Woodson- you most you're, you're most open when you first catch it, and he said he got that from the training sessions that he was he's the most open and to look for your shot first, and then you do secondary action when the defense takes away your shot if you're capable of hitting uh which coach Woodson believes he's capable of hitting, you have to be aggressive as a shooter and he and coach Woodson even mentioned that Jared with the other shooters that they they got to be. You know, believe they're going to knock it down and the confidence piece of it is a is a big part that sometimes we forget hi
0: ryan hey, joining guys. us live from san diego it's friar tuck uh how you doing, do not man? get too close
2: i am a volcano spewing coronavirus right now so
0: oh, boy. how you feeling
2: uh you know better uh we last... i was actually asleep that's why it didn't come on right away uh the fatigue has been the worst part and the body aches but other than that uh, I had a really bad cold and fever got to like 102.5 on Tuesday. And then since then, it's been gradually better. So not terrible. Um, I it's I was I just got a new apartment and I was sort of slowly moving in and I was staying at my parents house and tested positive. And I basically just grabbed whatever was around me and moved in and immediately realized I left all the things I need to live at there. So it's it's been a, it's been a bit of an adventure over the last few days
0: so and, and you weren't able to go to the combine which is a real shame yeah try to yeah. yeah well um all right so let's get your thoughts uh the comments from trace jackson davis and mike woodson uh this week the question i posed to coach again most people i think are aware of most of the comments so what stood out the most to you like what was maybe either the wow moment or the aha moment as you were listening to or reading what they said it just feels
2: like trace is ready to maybe embrace a leadership role even more than before um that stood out the most to me and it sounds like he's really excited to come back um Mm -hmm. because of the potential of the squad and maybe what he learned that he has to improve on I think that's probably part of it is is the excitement to get better um and get critiqued and maybe work out with people who aren't necessarily just the guys who've been working him out for years and and you know explore that and um
0: the greatest motivation is progress you know yeah. it was like he felt some progress so far yeah
2: and and also i think the opportunity you know he's, pro- he saw <laughs> all the media reports you know that how excited everybody was about indiana now that he's coming back and um i think that that's uh you know that that'll get you excited too when people start saying oh well he's back now they're the favorites in the big 10 they're one of the favorites in the big 10 i mean they listen, kids listen to that you know as much as you want them to tune out the noise or whatever Uh, They listened to that and, and that had to make him feel good and feel important and feel like, you know, this, this is a chance to be something really special. So um, he gets to come back. He gets to be a leader and he gets to potentially finally notch that, you know, that, that big 10 player of the year, first team, big, all big 10, like he's got those goals to hit. And let's be real. I mean, he's the, he's, he has a chance to be the first guy in IU history for 2000 points and a thousand rebounds. I mean, First in IU history to do anything is a big deal. And he could be a what top six scorer all time. Um, and the guy he would pass on the way to do that is a guy by the name of Mike Woodson. Um, <laughs> you know, he could be a top four rebounder of all time at IU. Uh, and, and that's the thing is that Trace, a couple of his seasons have been disappointing, not because of him. The guy's put up ridiculous numbers if you look at it through his first three years. He's been consistent in that way. Always led to victories. Um, but he's put up huge numbers and he has a chance to put even more numbers up. I think there's a chance his numbers actually go down next year, just because of the distribution of points and rebounds and the fact that the team's better, they might actually go down, but I think the efficiency numbers go up. Um, So yeah, I mean, he's got a lot in front of him to be excited about. I mean, again, first player to do 2000 points, a thousand rebounds in IU history. That's a lot of history. And, uh, and that's big. And a chance at a big 10 title, a chance to be first team, all big 10 chance to, be in contention for conference player of the year from day one uh, and a chance to be an all American. Um, and maybe be, if you, if you, are first, if you win big 10 player of the year, you're in, you know, conversation for, for national player of the year too. So, I mean, all of those things are in front of him, Do I think he accomplishes all of that. I mean, you know, it's tough to know, but he certainly has the opportunity and will have the hype behind him to do that. How, how often does a senior who has been a three-year leading scorer and rebounder or whatever he's been come back, it almost never happens and so it's a unique situation uh that he has a chance to take advantage of
0: boy if and when he passes mike woodson that'll be an awesome moment really i I, I
2: looked at the numbers when i wrote the article about him coming back and i'm not sure exactly where they are but i do think he has a chance to pass him
0: he definitely uh, does no he's got a yeah, chance if I mean, he just does what he did last year he'll finish third in scoring all time yeah i
2: wasn't i wasn't exactly sure where it lined up but yeah i mean i think i think The I think Woodson's the lowest guy with 2,000 points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And so he has a chance to definitely pass him. I think that would be – what a moment that would be, you know. Um, And I think think he just echoes what a lot of IU fans feel, is uh, after years of despair, you know, you feel like there's hope. And especially after that run they made at the end of the year where the offense looked better and where the effort looked better and where the team just looked more cohesive and the coaching looked more cohesive to what was happening on the floor – There just seemed to be a connectivity in the program that hadn't existed all year. And you'd have those ups and downs that we'd seen for years. And it felt like there was no progress being made because you go up, then you drop, you go up, then you drop, you have the highs of the Purdue win and then you'll get blown out by Michigan. You have, you know, I mean, it's just, it seemed like the same pattern at the end of the year, they really seemed to lock down and focus and they won some big games that we haven't consistently seen them do back-to-back big games was the last time we went back-to-back big games before the end of that season. Been a long time, a long guys, time. and so I think that he felt that too. And you yeah. know, if they hadn't, I bet you, if they don't make that run, I think no matter what is going to happen with the draft, he turns professional. Maybe takes a shot at the G League and then goes overseas or something like that. But he sees potential there, just like Malik Reno saw potential, yeah. just like you know Xavier Johnson coming back. You know, they all see it and they all feel it. I'm sure. I'm sure the inside the program, it feels great. So. um that was what I took away. So he just seems excited, and he seems like he really is embracing a leadership role, and that's great to see from anybody, especially a senior who's your be- who was your most important player for stretches of last year, for most of last year, and has been your most important player for three years, pretty much.
0: Tony, don't encourage him in the chat. Um, uh, the point I want to make, which kind of piggybacks off what you said, is you know for. Two and two-thirds seasons of Trace's career, Coach. This is a guy who we all saw the talent and saw the ability. And at times, he could lead Indiana to great things. But we often talked about the difficulty of your team leader, your best player, being a big guy. Right Now, what we saw over the last kind of third of the season is that, number one, while some of his teammates are not doing the right things and we're getting in trouble, that never happened with Trace and has not happened with him since he's been here. By all accounts, he's done everything right, you know, off the court and and done all those things correct. And we saw him over, you know, that last stretch of games when he put together statistically one of the best stretches of games by any high player ever, you know, we saw him kind of embrace a more consistent, role of being like, Hey, jump on my back and let's go. You know, obviously it ended, you know, at the St. Mary's game, but that was just an all systems failure. And I don't think you throw that on him. You know, I think without the way that that season ended, these comments would have fallen a little differently to me as, you know, okay. I mean, the, the comments would still be meaningful. The words would be the same, but it would be okay. But are you ready to be this guy? Because we've seen him be inconsistent, and we've seen him bring different energy levels to games. And if you're going to be the leader, you can't do that. Like in 2016, once that team got past Maui, you know, Yogi didn't do that. He was the same guy every single game. And I know it's a little bit different from a point guard to a center, but that's really the last kind of example that we have of a four-year guy kind of assuming this level of leadership. And so... You know, I buy into this more because of what we saw from him over the last month. And I wonder if that's part of the enthusiasm he has for this leadership, which to Ryan's point is spending an off season, getting better, maybe hearing some different feedback, feeling like he's got some different things to do, even though it's his fourth go around, you know, he's got some different skills to bring out and he seems like a guy that maybe figured out a little bit about leadership from, you know, the last third of the season on And maybe his teammates learned a little bit about something about him, too, where they will take these comments in a constructive way as opposed to, man, you're kind of the guy who's been inconsistent for two and a half years. But now he kind of showed over the last, you know, that last third of the season, hey, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. This is a different guy. Um, But that's what's going to be interesting now is he's laid down the gauntlet and this he owns this season now. Maybe even more so than Mike Woodson, actually. Trace Jackson Davis owns this season, and he can't be the guy that struggles a little bit in and out of games. He's got to be the guy that brings it all the time. And we see guys mature, and I think he's fully capable of doing it, but that's going to be the interesting thing to me to watch, is if he's truly ready. And if he is, and if you know part of his motivation is he said these things and that's going to drive him, it's going to be great for Indiana basketball. Um you know, if he struggles and, it in, you know, maybe he's not backing up the words, you know, that could lead to things in the locker room where it's like, hey, you know, you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. And that to me is an interesting storyline mm-hmm. as we watch this season. I, he sounds like a guy who's ready to do it, and I believe him, but there's still that, you know, little wonder of, you know, are you really, truly ready to be this dude? And can that come from a center um, and really be as effective as we want it to be?
3: Your best player needs to be your hardest worker, your most consistent player, and your highest energy guy. Uh, and he has now laid down the gauntlet that he has to be that. And you're right, there were times when he wasn't that, even though he was the best player, and that was some of the criticism that we had. So he he's made that. My concern more than anything was it was made publicly. Um, and, and there's some interesting things sometimes that uh, stuff's better said in the locker room and left in the locker room. And, and a, a player-led team, Uh, is better uh, than a coach-led team because if the players take care of the locker room like trace is saying he's going to which is good that's a good thing because it frees up the coaching staff from having to do a multitude of things they can strategize they can coach they can do those things so there's not one thing i have a problem with what trace said about making sure they don't go out mess around and get in trouble and no more chances with with certain behaviors and all that, everything was perfectly said. And he has the authority I, to do it because he has right. not gotten in trouble, you know? Right. And, and, and the thing is that might've been a shut the, Hey, I'm back, shut the locker room. Listen, I come back, I want to win and this is the way it's going to be. And I'm going to be your leader and I'm going to get that done as opposed to in the media uh, in, in media outlets. Um, the same with the, the conversation with coach Woodson. If if I, if I have a player in and I, and I'm letting him talk to me about offense and defense, And then all of a sudden, those comments are out in the public. It's just a fine line. I I think a lot of that goes on in the professional ranks. And some of it goes on in the college. You motivate through what you say to the media. And as media members, I love it because now we can talk about it. But sometimes it might have been best just to keep that in-house a a little bit. And and I I don't think that there's going to be a problem. I'm not predicting a problem. It's just that's a different take on, on this whole week of, of messaging is I think there are ways to say what he said without saying kind of the details of what he said. See, we I saw think... some re- we saw some reaction from some former players on Twitter um, without naming names. Then there gets to be a whole conjecture of who he's talking about and what he's talking about and those things. And there can be a lot of good from that. There also can be some struggles from that because team chemistry is, is – as a coach, you can try to manage it, try to manage it, try to manage it. But sometimes the slightest slivers can either make it better. A situation like this can make team chemistry better and move the team. Pro, or that same sliver can make it go a, a different direction. And and I just – those those are things that when I heard it, I I kind of cringed a little bit and said maybe that was best for – I'm going to get in your face in the locker room as opposed yeah. to public with the media. Yeah, we – you and I
0: disagree a little bit on this. I I had no problem with that stuff being public just because – a lot of us who follow this program closely have heard plenty of whispers over the years about this being a problem and it's been an issue at a lot of schools it's not like it's just at Indiana but certainly has been a problem and he has you know by all accounts never gotten in the in into that and I think laying down a bit of a public gauntlet there might be good to basically say look enough of this nonsense you know we are here for a purpose I'm back for a purpose and you got to get on board And by saying it publicly, they got to follow through with it now. I mean, imagine if a story comes out where it's like, hey, you know, this guy's got in trouble twice and they didn't do anything. Well, then what was all that offseason talk about? Right? Like he kind of, he backed them into a corner and I'm okay with that. And I think maybe for Tom Crean and Archie Miller, having a player talk like Trace Jackson Davis did probably wouldn't have gone well because I don't know that those guys were secure enough in what they're doing to handle it. But Mike Woodson coming from the NBA where you have to treat a guy like Carmelo Anthony like he's the most important part of the franchise, that's kind of how Mike Woodson is treating Trace, you know? And so I think Mike Woodson will be able to handle it and keep it in perspective and still not have control of Trace, but be able to rein him in and make sure that he's channeling that energy in the right way while kind of letting him say things because this is him exerting his authority. And, you know, and I think, you know, Trace is kind of, he's grown into it gradually um, so I think because well, of the particulars of Woodson's background, I think it'll I
3: think it'll be okay.
0: And it does that, that by letting him say it publicly,
3: much. he now has to show up because now Coach Woodson doesn't have to show him stats on how bad he's getting beat by Kofi Coburn in order to motivate the young man. Trace is motivating himself by making it a public record. He's yeah. got in front of his teammates and fans and everyone, he's putting it out there. So I see where you're coming from. I just like you know, that's the way I run my classroom. Whatever goes on in this classroom stays in this classroom because we're just we're a family and and we take care of that business. Um, But, yeah, I I see your point. Um, I just look at it a little differently, but I do not disagree with anything he said. I I think what he said was spot on and only can mean good things for um, the Hoosiers um, going forward. Right.
2: Yeah, I have one one more point that's kind of shifting gears on this. I think you guys covered that really well. Uh, you mentioned Jared sort of like he got healthy at the end of the year and all of a sudden went on a run. Yep. The interesting thing about this year is that if Trace was banged up last year, he still had to play 30 minutes. You know, this year that's not going to be the case. If he's banged up and is not going well, he's got reinforcements where it's not like, Hey, we're benching you, it can be like, Hey, take a longer rest. Like yep. if your hips bothering you, if your back's bothering you. We're going to put race at the five we'll put malik in there we'll put jordan geronimo in there we'll mix it up We'll, you know drop somebody to the perimeter like there are options now whereas it felt like last year either he or race or trace had to be on the floor at the same time or at one of them had to be on the floor at all times or else the game was over they were going to get run out of the building um and it just feels like there's all these combinations you can now present. I would bet that Trace and Race will be on the floor a lot together because they seem to like playing together. And, you know, they were two of the better players this year. But you've got options if Trace is not 100%. And we've seen him not be 100% a few times during his career, which is, it's a long season. So much is expected of him on both ends of the floor. He's going to get worn down. He's going to get banged up. He's not a robot. He's a human being. And the body can only take so much, especially in the Big Ten. So you've got all of this reserve around him to help him out. Maybe he does average fewer minutes next year. Because- I was going to
3: ask you I was going to ask you Ryan that that very question. Is it better for him to get less minutes and be more fresh? I mean, yes. if he if he gets 30 minutes he just sits out 5 minutes and we have that capability, the drop off is not as huge. Now he plays even better with less minutes because Unequivocally- of the option
2: unequivocally yes, because there's now depth. I mean, when there's not depth, you have to go. The other thing is early in the season, he's not going to have to play 38 minutes right. against Marshall or whoever. I mean, you know, you, you play Kansas, he's going to play most of the game. You know, I mean, you play the good teams. Of course you say you use him for that because those games mean something big down the road, but you know, you've got these guys, who you got to give minutes to now you brought Jordan Geronimo back, got to give him minutes. You know, you brought Malik Renault five-star guy you gotta give him minutes you know it's these guys didn't come here to to play five minutes a game they came here to play and so I agree with that and it's something we complained about last year and it was clear that Mike Woodson did not have faith in his bench very often uh, especially early in the season and was playing it was running his starters kind of ragged and I thought at times in the season it looked like it caught up to them Uh, maybe not as badly as I was, as I was making out to be, maybe they just weren't playing well, but I just, I thought there were times we looked tired on the court, especially late in games. And there's no, there's no reason for that to happen this year. None. You can run that second unit and they should be really effective and you can mix starters and, and, and bench guys, of course, but you, you can play the next five guys a lot more minutes than you did this year because the talent level has just gone up so much. And guess what? You got to play them now because next year you're going to need them. You know, a lot of these guys are leaving after this year. You got Xavier's gone after this year. You got race, you got trace. I mean, you've got to get these guys ready. And so part of that is playing the minutes.
0: Mike Woodson made some comments to that effect. I mean, he was speaking specifically about the freshman of speeding up the process. You know, these guys have to play. And I thought that was the other element of Trace's comments that were interesting, you know, as he talked about how they would often practice with like the first unit and the second unit, you know, and so it's like all this talk that we had about should we change the starters and, you know, should Stewart and well, I mean, they were just playing as that unit and that's what it was going to be. And he said he wanted to mix those things up so that they all get chemistry together you know, instead of it just being first unit, second unit. Um, you know, because one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, I know we've talked a lot about lineup stuff with Jalen hood Um, And I think there's a good chance Jalen hood Shafino might start. I also wonder if there's a decent chance that he comes off the bench but then is in the closing lineup, you know? So they start a little bit differently, and he's able to be the, you know, the point guard that comes in. He plays with Malik, um, you know, but then, you know, we see, you know, you know, because coach, he'll probably stick with some of that. Like that just seems to be how he likes to to coach, maybe not the full line changes. Um, but I think Trace had a point there is let's get us all, you know, kind of playing together more and building some of that chemistry. And so I found that interesting, coach. And Ryan yeah, and,
3: well, that's that's one that we've been calling for not only in practice but in games a little bit. You're obviously going to play your best players, your starting five more minutes. It's the combination of minutes that I think needs to be evaluated on on, on how Coach Woodson uses them, and I think that leads to what Trace was saying about getting uh, mixing up the teams in practice and that. So if they have to mix them up in a game, which they should, uh, they're in a better position to ha- to know. Uh, we, we've said that over and over. I think Tamar's better when he's playing with, uh, TJD and race out there because of, of the threats of the other players, as opposed to on the, on the second five, although the second five this year might be a lot better, uh, that, that rotation could, could end up being a lot better than what it was last year. But, um, yeah, I think that I, I like, that was a big thing. Uh, if your players are seeing that, uh, if your assembly call commentators are seeing that, you know, maybe there's some truth truth to to that that the the coaches need to look at
0: ryan any any final comments on trace and and coach woodson's comments anything else that stood out
2: no i mean i just think it's it's obvious that everyone's really excited uh i apologize things are breaking up because you know i haven't really established my place yet so um but uh no i i i think that um it's it's reason to be excited all of it is. And it's clear that they're excited. It's clear the teammates are excited. It's clear everybody inside the program is excited. I think they were excited before he announced he was coming back. I mean, quite frankly, when he got Renault, I think there was a lot of, wow, this could be really good. And then when you get Trace back, it's just, you know, cherry on top. So uh, yeah. I, I think everyone's excited for a good reason.
0: Coach, any final thoughts from you? Anything
3: else that we haven't discussed? No, I, I think overall the comments should put a lot of us a, at ease. I mean, they don't make the comments for us. That, you know, they, they, they make the, the comments need to be about building their program and winning basketball games. But it should put a lot of us at ease that there, there's really a lot of good things going on foundationally in this program, from recruiting to the conversations to Coach Woodson flying out to talk to a player about coming back. Uh, I think the communication piece is one of Coach Woodson's strongest um, aspects as a as a head coach uh, without witnessing that you just get the sense that these guys trust him and he's honest and he's going to rip them when he needs to but he also going to pat him on the back uh, because coach Woodson's comfortable in his in his own skin and where he's at and he's back at his alma mater that that pressure that Indiana basketball brings to some coaches is not there with coach Woodson he he, he trusts his ability and I think it just shows in everything that he's doing uh, and which gives me pause the things that I maybe not don't agree offensively, he, he'll, you know, not that I have the answers, but he'll come around to doing what's best because he really wants Indiana basketball to be relevant again. And, and it just is calming as a fan, as a podcast host, that we're going to have a lot of good stuff to talk about um, uh, going forward. So, no, it was a good week to hear all that stuff, especially in a, at the start of the summer when things get to be a little slow
0: absolutely uh okay that is going to do it for segment two uh coming up we got a lot of good questions uh from our private community so we are going to dive into those here as we wrap up another edition of the assembly call stick with us we'll have some fun Um, Ryan, before you go, do you have any Xavier Booker commentary? We talked about him in segment one.
2: I, I think I talked about it last summer. I thought that kid was going to blow up. I mean, just from his versatility as a big man. I just thought that was going to happen. And uh, it's happened. And, you know, it would have been great to secure his commitment a long time ago. It sounds like Indiana kind of dropped the ball there a little bit because of a certain former assistant coach I won't refer to. Um, but it just seemed like like dropped the
0: ball. What, what? Ron felling. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, they just, it seemed like they had that, they had a real opportunity there and kind of blew it and that opened the door for everybody else. And everybody else has rushed through that door. And it's gotten to the point where, I mean, IU is still in contact with them and everything, but they're going to look at other centers because they don't think they're getting him, you know? And I don't, I don't know if that they, you know, you can always bring it back on a recruitment, but Xavier, there's a reason he jumped to where he did. And it's the potential, man. And it's it's as high as anybody in the class, I think. Um, just what he can do at that size. He's not always consistent. He has some motor issues and all of that. But you look at that dude's size and his athletic ability and what he can do on the floor and his skill set, and you're just like, man, that's going to be a tough miss when it happens if they don't get him. Like, that's just a tough, tough miss, especially with – Trace leaving and race leaving. I'd be real fun to have him and Malik or no down low. Uh, I I'm very pessimistic at this point that they have a chance.
3: Mm.
0: All right. Well,
2: I can't thanks. hear anything. So I got to go guys.
0: You <laughs> <about> better dude. <laughs> I can Yeah. I broke, I broke up. I'm sorry. All right. See you, man. All right. Well, we'll hope that that, uh, recruitment turns around.
3: Either way, I think we'll be okay. You win some, you lose some. That's right. You know, in, in recruiting. That's right. All right, let's
0: hop in and answer some of these questions, Coach. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, here we go.
2: What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU
0: game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devonte. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. And it is time to go through our mailbag. All of these questions submitted via our private IU Basketball Discussion Community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com community. I highly recommend that you do that and make sure that you get the bundle with Tony Adranya's IU Film Room content, some of the smartest IU basketball content that is out there. It's only for our premium subscribers, uh, so definitely make sure that you check that out. Uh, Coach, let's hit some of these. We do not have a mediocre question from Jay uh, this week, but let's hop in and we'll start here with our buddy IU Artifacts. If the IU Kentucky rivalry is resumed, and Mike Woodson did make some comments to that effect, uh, would you be content with a neutral site game as it was for years or would you insist that the games be held on campus? So would you give in to Crybaby baby Calipari's demands uh, or hold out for the home and home, or at least maybe
3: a home, home, neutral, neutral. Um, I, I Play it, play it wherever, play, play it wherever you can. Um, you know, at, you know, at Lucas oil, play it at freedom hall. Um you know, we, we used to do that an awful lot. Uh, we, I think we played Kansas at the uh, at the RCA Dome and things like that. Um, that gives a chance for more people to come see. I know I love the 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 ticket package at home idea, and I get that, and I'm all for it. I always prefer on-campus games, um, but we're going to start being nationally relevant. You got to play in some of these big arenas because you're going to be playing in them in Sweet Sixteens and Final Fours. That's what Calipari does. So don't look at it as a traditionally we want to be in bloomington all the time it would be great to be in bloomington cal's not coming back to bloomington so if you get them to play us let's play home and home and home i'd love to go to freedom hall and the tradition there they used to play that there and then play it up at at at, you know um lucas oil or banker's life or something like that i think it's important for the rivalry and, and not to be so particular on where the rivalry is played just play the rivalry that's where i'm at uh, let's just play this game.
0: I, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I I, I do care, but I care less um, because it seems like we're going to get some other marquee games. And I get it from Kentucky's perspective. Like, we haven't been good, honestly. Like, we haven't really earned our way into this rivalry, frankly, um, since, you know, the last time we beat them. And so I get it from their perspective where it's like, why? you know, it's kind of like us playing Butler and Notre Dame, honestly. It's like they you know, would kind of, we would get more from it than they would get from it. And so we need to get our stature up so that this is two peers playing against each other. And at that point, yeah, let's just play the game. If it's got to be neutral, whatever, you know, we'll at least have, we'll be able to talk about how Calipari is afraid. And so we'll have that talking point and that's fun. Um, and let's just play it because I think it's a really good rivalry. If we get it back going every year, I don't think it'll take long for, the hatred and the animosity, you know, and man, like when you listen to episodes of the Hoosier hysterics or like you talk to former players, there's always stories about the Kentucky game, you know, because it matters. Um, so yeah, at this point, like, let's just play it. Um, you know, if it's gotta be neutral fine and we can just call Cal a crybaby baby and scared for not playing us at home because it's true. Um, and then let's just go beat them wherever we play him. So I'm on board with that. I don't think I was a couple of years ago, um, but I am now. I, again, I would prefer it to be in the
3: home venues. I would prefer that, but it's not going to happen, so let's just play it. Uh, news flash: uh, Indiana has taken the lead, eight seed over one seed Maryland, 5-4 in the top of the 10th with runners still on. So your Hoosiers are battling uh, from hey. the eight seed, last spot in the baseball tournament. Uh, after you get done watching us, turn on the Big Ten Network.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, let's power through some more questions here uh philip wonders do you believe that coach will implement all or part of trace's plans on
3: how to run practice um practice, yeah. <laughs> practice um, talking about practice <laughs> absolutely um i i think he listens to people I, I, again i think the communication piece of coach woodson is just fabulous um for him to sit down and and, and allow uh, tjd to say that he's going to go back and he's going to be the decider He's going to say, I like this, what he said, and he'll take things to the coaching staff and they'll implement what they believe is going to help and they won't implement uh, that. But I do believe he'll take some of those suggestions because you want to keep your best player happy. And if your best player has some legitimate suggestions, why not try them? I agree with that completely. Uh, From David,
0: still looking back at last year, did Woodson make a strategic error in the Northwestern game? A quad one road game, presumably. Was it quad one or was it quad two? What would that have been? It would have been a quad one at that point. So in hand, and he decided to punish players for rules violations. Was there another way to handle things? Would that win have avoided the playing game? Is that the choice you would make? Unequivocally, it was the right decision to suspend those players. Uh, In part because you needed to lay down the law for your culture. And the other part, you know, David, if you didn't hear, I think Trace talked about this on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. About, I think the sequence of events was, you know, Coach Woodson knew about two players who had gone out, um, but didn't know about some others. And I think, uh, oh boy, we got some fun happening in the chat here, don't we? Can one of the moderators get rid of uh, of this, whatever is going on here? Okay, I blocked it. Um, (laughs) Lost my train of thought. Come on, focus. Who does that? Focus. Okay. (laughs)
3: Trace Jackson Davis said there's going to be no more messing around we got to get better in in getting these yeah yeah no and and so I guess
0: you know I think the, the way the story went is one of the assistant coaches you know let them know that you know a couple other players were out too and basically asked race and trace what they wanted to do about it and they said that the players should sit and so I think at that point if you don't you know you lose credibility with your leaders Right now, if you have a whole team where everybody's going out and doing stuff, then maybe you don't lose that credibility. But if you have a couple of guys who want to do things the right way and expect for there to be consequences to actions, and as the coach, you don't put those consequences in, you're going to lose the authority in the locker room, you know, and I don't think that's a program Trace would have wanted to come back to. Um, And so I think the fact that his opinion was listened to, it seemed like he appreciated that. Um, and clearly he's fed up with all this nonsense costing them games. And so I think that is one of those where you have to lose the battle to win the war. And I think if that hadn't happened and that tone was set in Mike Woodson's first season, maybe you win that Northwestern game and maybe you get in the tournament easier. But I think
3: that, w- I think that would have been a negative um, long term. And what said said
0: at the time too.
3: Worse yet, you, you, you don't suspend those players and you lose that game. Not, yeah. not, I mean, you know, th- there's no guarantee one way or the other. Uh, the game was played with the players who played. Um, but I think that speaks volumes to what Trace is doing right now as a leader. He, You said it. He's willing to come back because uh, Coach Woodson did the right things. And, and you know, we, we want to win. We want to get to a Sweet 16. We want Big Ten championships. But Indiana stands for doing things as correctly and right as we possibly can. And sometimes we do that way too much um, and, and turn ourselves in and, and do stuff like that. But ultimately that's a sense of pride for our basketball program. And, and coach Woodson had, had witnessed that when he was a player uh, under coach Knight, and, and that's something that I th- I think was absolutely handled, uh, the way, uh, you know, and, and really, if it would have gone the other way, coach Woodson has the right to handle it the way he wants to. Uh, and I think this just turned out okay. And, and I don't think there should be second guessing. Yep. I agree. Uh, Craig says, I
0: believe there are 11 non-conference games with Kansas, Arizona, and the ACC game. How should the rest of the schedule be filled out? You and Jeff talked about this right. last week. Um, yep. So w- without getting into it again, I would just recommend if everybody wants detailed schedule talk, um, go back to last week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, uh, and they break that We're down.
3: headed in the right direction. For sure. Yes. hundred yeah.
0: percent. Um. Jim says, what do we make of Woody going out to LA to talk to Trace about returning to Bloomington? I would have thought a head coach would be advocating on behalf of his player with his NBA contacts. I suppose both could be the case. I just thought it was odd that Woody was so aggressive that he actually went to LA. See, the way I look at this, I, I mean, I think unquestionably, Mike Woodson, I'm sure, did whatever he could to help Trace with his you know, NBA pursuits. Because the absolute worst thing for Mike Woodson would be for a story to get out and circulate that he was undermining Trace's NBA aspirations. There's just no way he would do that. And I think Mike Woodson wants what's best for the young man. But I think Mike Woodson probably had a pretty good idea that Trace's goal, you know, of being picked in the upper part of the second round was probably unlikely. And so he's, you know, trying to, you know, Mike Woodson at that point is trying to do what we're all trying to do, where it's like the number one goal is we want to see Trace succeed and get to the NBA. But, you know, the backup plan is something we're all kind of excited about and would be great for everybody. Um, you know, and so I think he was readying himself for that. And as far as going out to LA, I think Trace is showing support for his player again, I think, or Mike Woodson. I think Mike Woodson looks at this from an NBA perspective and it's not that you have to coddle players or coddle star players, but you treat them differently in the NBA star players get treated a little bit differently. Um, and I don't know if, You know, if Mike Woodson would have flown out to meet with Jordan Geronimo or meet with somebody else. But ever since he took over the job, you know, Mike Woodson has kind of held Trace Jackson Davis up as, you know, the linchpin of the program and the most important part. And I think that's just coming from his NBA background is that is what you do. Um, And so I think that is, you know, part of why he would do that. I don't think it's that he wasn't supporting him. Um, And I think that's just an NBA coach treating his best player, how NBA coach treats, treat their best player. And I don't think that's the way things have always been done in college, but the way that things are trending, I think we're really, it's interesting coach. I really think with the way the transfer portal has kind of added free agency and the way that NIL has kind of added some money to the equation, having a coach with an NBA background, some of those things that before probably weren't that applicable to the college game, I think are a lot more applicable now. And I think we're seeing some of the successes from that.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I'm, I'm repeating myself over and over again, but Coach Woodson is a pretty solid communicator. And I think what the, it, it kind of shocked me to hear that too because usually coaches don't go out to recruit people back. They, they give them the chance to go and then are available for them back at campus. You don't go on a recruiting. That, it kind of shocked me at first, but then when I sat back and realized, like, if he really knew and got the word of where Trace Jackson Davis was going to be drafted, Uh, He's going to go back and have honest conversations, say, Trace, your best, your best effort. He's going to do what's best for Trace. I firmly believe that. And, and, and also what's best for Indiana basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a fine line there because he's paid to win basketball games for Indiana, but winning basketball games for Indiana also means doing what's best for your players. Mm -hmm. And, and so once I sat back and said, okay, that's a little odd but he must really believe that's what's best for everyone overall, or he wouldn't have been making those, those trips. And it, it probably came after the COVID situation where he was saying, hey, Trace, here's what we can do for you. I know this is bad. It looks bad. You're not going to be able to play and do this, but I want to reiterate here's what's going on. Um, I am just so comfortable with him talking to players about what their role is and, and where they're going to be and the closer and all of that stuff. That is just, I think, you know, he gets an A plus for all of that um, uh, from me. Uh, A couple more questions here. So we've got a question from
0: Zach. And he says, you know, given all the conversation around NIL, uh, this is a topic that gets talked about a lot in Indiana circles. Uh, But he says it's more important than ever to offer players an avenue to boost their reputation and showcase themselves on a national stage. Having your name on the back of the jersey quite literally touches all three aspects of name, image and likeness. Especially given that we expect to be playing in a lot more nationally televised games going forward, it seems like we're doing our players a disservice by not allowing casual fans who turn on the TV to know which players are which and get to know them better by seeing their names and becoming more acquainted with them. I know many longtime IU fans love the traditions of the program and sticking with them, but as you guys talked about at length last offseason, it seems like it's time to modernize the program in some ways and ditch some of those if we want to get where we all want to. Adding the name to the jersey would put our players on a level playing field and give them the same opportunity to raise their rep and capitalize on that as the vast majority of programs around the country. Just take a look at the four Blue Bloods in the Final Four last year. All have player names on the back of their jerseys. Coach, where do you fall on this?
3: I I think that there's some very good points made there, and I cannot disagree with, uh, with that at all. Uh, I'm a traditionalist. I'm old as heck. Um, so I don't like the names on the back of the Jersey cause I still think you play for Indiana university, uh, and, and in basketball, you, your face is shown your numbers in a program. You have a digital program. I think people can find out who you are uh, a lot easier than a football or, or baseball or, or that. So, so, so I disagree, but totally respect and think the comments are, um, right. You know, they're, they're true in a, in an era that might be time for this old guy to to change just like I have with the Nil and 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 change with the transfer portal you know um, maybe you can teach a, a old dog new tricks uh, at once I'm open to that change and I, I think that the the questioner really um, made a really good valid point I just personally I like old baseball stadiums I don't like all the new uniforms uh, you know I don't like the the teams in the NBA wearing dark uniforms at home I, I but I'm just a traditionalist and just personal preference. Uh, But that may be something that, that is looked at, um, to move forward. My personal
0: preference would be to not have names just because I appreciate the tradition. Um, and I get this whole idea, you know, at Indiana, we play for the name on the front, not the name on the back. Um, But I mean, look, there have been Indiana teams with no names on the back of the jerseys that have played for themselves and been selfish and not had that teamwork. And there's plenty of teams that have their names on the back of the jerseys and they play just fine for the name on the front. So, you know, I don't really know that symbolically it does anything. Um, And I think if your culture is so flimsy that a name on the back or not is going to change it, you know, what have you really built? So those arguments to me don't carry a whole lot of weight. I like the tradition element of it. Um, but I do think the name image likeness part of this changes the equation, um, because there are, and I don't remember who's doing this, but there is, there, there is a, there's a Jersey thing happening and I don't remember exactly what it's going to be, but I know there's some schools that are part of this. I don't know if Indiana is going to be one of them, but where they're going to start like selling jerseys and allowing players to get a piece of that. And I think if you're going to sell jerseys, you need the player names on the back. Right? Because if it's a, you know, if this is a number forty jersey, are you buying Cody Zeller's jersey? Or are you buying Calvert Cheney's jersey? You know, and so I think as players are allowed to do this now and as they're allowed to make money from this, you're gonna want their names on the back. So I do think it changes it. I do think is it is an impetus to do it. And I don't I think, you know, those of us who have really grown to love this and grew up with the no names on the back. I understand how we might feel a sense of loss, but I don't think the program itself as it modernizes would actually experience any sense of loss. And I think there might actually be something to gain. So this is one of those where, kind of like the Kentucky series in a certain sense, where I'm trying to put aside what I would prefer and try to think about what is best. And I think in this case, it's probably going to be best moving forward to have the names on the back of the jerseys. I won't like it, but I do think it's best. So that's what I would say. Um, All right, we've got just a couple more here. One is from the great Bob Thompson, who does our music. And he wants to add a new segment. He didn't send me any music for this new segment, so I guess we'll have to see if it catches on. Uh, And we kind of already have this because we take a question from Jay every week. um, So it's a little bit redundant. But Bob is (laughs) calling this the dumb question of the week. And his submission is, did Samson really do that much damage to the program? (laughs) Um, Yes, I don't think we need to have, uh, you know, the Samson thing, we don't want to have too much revisionist history as we get farther and farther, further and further away from it. uh, And Samson continues to have success. Uh, He was the wrong coach at this program at the wrong time. He's a terrific basketball coach. There's no question about it. I think we all think if he could have made this work, he would have won national championships at Indiana. Because he's, he's one of the ten best coaches in college basketball, right, Coach? Just X's and O's. Oh, absolutely. Play. I mean, so you pair that with Indiana University. He wasn't at
3: the time, no. Yeah. Because he yeah. didn't do what was right. Right. But on court, yes. one of the best ever. Yes. So, maybe not ever, but, but top he, coaches. Yes,
0: he still did a lot of damage to the program. Now, yes, some of it was self-inflicted, and in that Indiana really, you know, kind of took, you know, uh, maybe went overboard and self-reporting and like doing all of those things. And then obviously, Tom Crean came in and, you know, got you know rid of the roster and like truly started over but all those things started because Kelvin Sampson just couldn't do some simple things and whether it's not a rule now, or, you know, it's not against the rules now, whatever it was then. Um, and he just didn't, it was just a bad fit. Um, and so, you know, he got that ball rolling down the Hill and it went where it went. And, you know, I mean, that, that second season, I mean, that was a team that could have potentially competed for a final four, um, you know, and we've really been in the wilderness ever since, so did he do all the damage to the program? No, I think there's probably parts of it that were self inflicted and it's kind of felt like Indiana University ever since firing Bob Knight has kind of been searching for what its identity is going to be and how much it wants to fully embrace athletics and all of those things. Um but Samson definitely did a lot of damage to the program, uh and I don't think he should be let off the hook for it, you know, even though you know whatever everybody can have their own opinions on how much of a grudge to hold and whether you root against him when you see him on TV and all that stuff um but yes i still think he did plenty of damage to the program
3: do you agree i mean am i do i have that right no i think i think that's clear I, I, it's just one of those things that saddens me because if he would have made some different decisions brought in some different personnel we're we're looking at a whole different situation with indiana basketball because of his ability to coach um, and, and it just pains me when you have talented people who make mistakes and make major mistakes and, and, and he did. And part of the credit to him is he's obviously learned not to make similar mistakes or, or at least or get, caught get caught. Making, <laughs> Yeah. You know, who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it also is frustrating to me though, that in a time now of just open market, do whatever you want, little NCA, we got in trouble for phone calls uh they were wrong at the time and it doesn't matter a speed limit of 40 is different than a speed limit of 65 the rules are the rules for a reason and you need to follow them so um yeah that's just a little bit of there's no question he did damage i also think indiana's um high or low tolerance for anything also added to it as well um but it's just one of it's just a an unfortunate circumstance, um, five or six years after, after coach Knight, um, that there, there was a lot of things that went on during that time that caused the the difficulties. Yeah. And there's just a, a little bit of
0: hypocrisy, I guess, in hiring him in the first place. Cause he was already in training. Right. So, right. you know, if you were going to do that and then, you know, react so strongly when something happened, maybe don't hire that guy in the first place, but Thanks for that dumb question, Bob. Really appreciate the opportunity to address that. Thank you. It's exactly what we all wanted to talk about in the midst of one of our happiest off seasons in recent memory. Let's talk about Samson. Give me some. Give me some like uh, you know, brooding Beethoven music or Mozart music for that next time. If we're gonna have a question like that. Um, all right. Last question. From Coach Marlowe, much to the chagrin of Valerie, by the way. Um, so this question, Coach Marlowe, you know, comes into the, to the comment section of our call out for questions and says, in honor of Ray Liotta's passing today, if you didn't hear the great Ray Liotta, the actor, uh, passed away, he said, what is your and Coach's favorite Ray Liotta movie? Uh, and I believe Valerie's response was, I didn't realize Ray Liotta was, uh, you know, a member of Indiana or something or connected to basketball. And she gave that a very swift, uh, not interested. Um, however, coach, I think, uh, you know, Ray Liotta, he did a lot of good work, a lot of good movies. I'm willing to answer this one.
3: Uh, even if Valerie is not,
0: (laughs) (laughs) what is, uh, what is your favorite Ray Liotta movie?
3: It is field of dreams. Um, yeah big big baseball guy uh been to the movie site um uh, multiple times um with my dad before he passed and uh with my kids a couple times i think i've been there 3 times and can go more and more and more so uh it has to be filled of dreams it's just a, a a great do you want to have a catch uh type of thing um sticks with me and plus i haven't seen the others so
0: yeah <laughs> i mean kind of a easy choice for me. Yeah. Goodfellas is the one everybody's going to talk about. And I've seen that and it's good. I've just, I was never really big into like the gangster movies and stuff like that. So I know that's the obvious one for a lot of people. And I recognize that's a good movie and it was a really good performance. Um, But yeah, to me, I mean, Field of Dreams is a movie I, you know, watched growing up like 50 times. Um, And so that's the, the first one that came to mind. However, It is possible that there will be a new movie coming out that I believe is in the can that Ray Liotta has already filmed that could beat all of these. I kid you not, okay? This is an actual movie. It's called Cocaine Bear. And here's the description. It tells the story of a drug runner whose plane crashes with a load of cocaine that's found by a black bear who eats it. That's the description, and it's a horror movie, apparently, about... A cocaine bear that is, uh, I guess, going crazy. All right, I'm walking
3: with into a bear's mouth. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm with Valerie. Jeff oh. shouldn't ask this question.
0: <laughs> We're talking about cocaine bear. Yeah. So watch out for cocaine bear. There's a lot of famous people in it, so I mean, I think it's a serious movie. Uh, anyway, uh, Coach, any final thoughts as we uh, as we wrap up? It looks like the Mavericks are down by 18. So any hope of a comeback now well, now 21 so they're not coming back it was a good run for mark cuban and the boys
3: yeah no I, I i it's just exciting you know i i know the summer gets to be a little bit of a downtime and we have to create some some topics to talk about and just thankful that that we got this news uh coming back about uh trace and and, and coach woods and i did it's just fun jared to to have some hope um you know we can sit here and debate the the expectations and and whether you know where they're going to be seated and all that stuff but but we can have that debate now as opposed to questioning what in the heck's going to happen are we even going to win enough games there that you know there's um there's always time to maybe you know struggle a little bit in the future but it's just good it just feels you know healthy again to to talk about Indiana basketball and credit to to everyone involved in in moving it in that direction. so look forward to a lot of the summer and and a month or two from now, we start talking again about schedules and the countdown and and then hopefully we get a good start with football and and we're right back at it so uh it's been a really really, really good off season so far knock on wood uh and let's hope it keeps going in that direction.
0: Valerie has nominated herself to ask the stupid question next week. So, okay. All right, Valerie, stupid questions. It's all music. yours. We need. Hey, Bob, we need some music now. The stupid question is clearly going to catch on. So we're going to need it. we got the mediocre question and the stupid question. This is really... Really Great smart content we're producing here, coach. 10 11 years <laughs> in,
3: <laughs> we, we got to look for a niche any way we can find it. Right. You know, that's right. <laughs> we might be the only podcast who allows the stupid question of the week, it might catch on, Copyright it. Oh, that's funny.
0: All righty, well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. As always, if you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call Radio recording or subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. And thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next Thursday night to talk IU basketball with you again. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. And Kathy and Jeff have a new episode of Doing the Work coming on June 4th. It looks like, so always tune in to that. The women's basketball team is going to be—they're going to be fun next year too.
3: Football? Yep. Thoughts on football, Coach? I don't have any yet. <laughs> Usually by now, I—I I do. I've kind of just kind of floated away a little bit. Um, I, I do know the schedule came out and there are the first two games are night games, which are always good for us tailgaters. A lot of time to, to meet and greet and, um, trying to buy some new equipment for the, uh, tailgate spot, including, a a, a margarita dispenser or a daiquiri Ooh. dispenser, keep okay. the daiquiris on the bar. So if you want to come out and, and see us, but, um, so a couple night games, a couple noon games. Uh, so yeah, I mean. They got to get back when the first
0: thing you talk about
3: with the team is <laughs> I know, the I hate times that. of the games. <laughs> I hate, I hate, I hate that. Cuz I I'm all about winning, you know, but man, I enjoy those tailgates. They're 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 quite fun. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man.
0: I hope they just they got to get back to respectability this season. Yeah,
3: it, it, it is a very important for for coach Allen to To get this right to get back to the six and get to a bowl game again um you got to fight and claw your way to get there um because otherwise it's a slide that this program loses that momentum it's just so hard when you have those pockets of time yeah you got to really capitalize and i thought iu was poised to do that and it just imploded to to places we uh, of the unknown last year um so it's an important year yep all
0: right well thanks everybody for being here coach always great talking to you and we'll be back next week
3: peace everyone see everybody look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car right in your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars